Something kind of changes in your life. And you know, there are certain moments in our Christian walk where God does something in us, something He opens a door in our hearts. There's something that changes in our lives that, that puts us on a new path, a fresh path. And I, if you're like me, I want to come and I want God to speak to my life, not just because I'm here with you, but when I'm in, in any service, I want God to speak to my life. And what God does this morning, God does something fresh this evening. And what God does on Monday night, He does different than He does on Sunday. Don't miss, don't miss a single opportunity to hear from God and let God do something that He wants to do in your life. It, it could be a defining moment for your life. I just say that to encourage you, to, to arrange your schedule, to make every effort to be here, because I know that God's going to meet us in these services, and He's going to speak to us this morning. Can you say amen? Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14. I want to minister. I, in fact, I want to uh, preach along the lines of, of seeing a breakthrough. In this revival, tomorrow night I want to minister on supernatural finances. How many could use some supernatural finances in your life? And you know, we, we, God has miracle resources. And sometimes we, in our limited thinking, we try and, and uh, figure everything out, and God is the last, the very last thing that we add to our equation. And, and, then, and by then, you know, we've, we've, we've wasted a lot of time. We've exhausted all of our efforts, and God is like the, the last-ditch effort. But I'm telling you that God wants to bring a breakthrough. And so I want to minister along these lines of breakthrough. And I want to kick it off this morning in this text in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 14. We'll look at it, look at it in just a moment. But there's many occasions, many times when, when we really need God to show up in our lives. Well, of course we need Him all the time. We, we, we live in a, in a desperate society. We live in a fallen world. And, and we need God in every area of our lives. But there are specific areas we really need God to give us a breakthrough. It could be this morning that you need a breakthrough in your marriage. You're, you, you're working through things. You're dealing with different things in your life. Maybe you're, maybe you're dealing with uh, uh, children, stepchildren. Uh, you've got, you know, when we talk about families and marriages, there's so many different dynamics nowadays to marriages. Some are in their, in their second marriage. Others are, are uh, dealing with family things. Your husband is not serving the Lord. Your wife is not serving the Lord. Maybe your children, you're praying for your children, and there are all kinds of things that you need God to do something there. But I want to minister along these lines of, of seeing a breakthrough. Can we just go to God in prayer and just believe God together right now for this service? Father, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. Lord, I, we need you today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just open up our hearts and our minds to your word and help us, Father, to, to see our situation as you see it. And God, to see possibility the way you see possibility. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Let it give us ears to hear, Lord. Let us obey your voice, God. Walk out of this place set free and delivered by the power of the blood of the cross. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When we moved to Kenya in 2000, at the very beginning of 2005, January 2005, we moved to Nairobi, Kenya. How many we have from Kenya this morning? 
Amen. I wish I could speak to you completely, Kabisa in Swahili, but I don't speak good Swahili. My Swahili is Kidogo Sanas, okay? And but I I I could when I get around Kenyans and I get back into Kenya, my Swahili comes back a little bit, enough that I'm not going to starve to death and I can find my way around and, and I know which matatu to take and and so there there is that much in Swahili, but in Kenya, when we moved to Kenya, some of you know the situation that we were dealing with. We took a container, a 20-foot container, with a huge tent. It was, it was like a circus tent almost. We packed that container, that tent, into the container along with welding equipment, sledgehammers, uh, sound equipment, uh, all of the things that we would need to set this tent up. And it took some time. From the time they shipped it from the United States to it landed at Mombasa, it took some time. We wasted probably, well, we, I can't say we wasted, but we, we were waiting and waiting until about, I would say it came around May. From January to May, it finally arrived in May. It sat at the port for a bit. Then it arrived in Nairobi. And during this time, we were looking for a piece of property where we could put this tent. And we need a big piece of land. We need enough land that we can put this tent and we can have, you know, build some toilets and we can uh, have some room for parking, have some security. Everything in Kenya, it requires security. It doesn't matter whether you're in a, in a very nice area or not so nice area. It, it doesn't matter. And so we looked everywhere. I knew Nairobi. I would drive up and down. I would drive in, in, in every, uh, every area of the city. All over Nairobi, I, I knew that I knew Nairobi. You didn't need street signs. There are no street signs in most places. But we were looking for a place that we could we could put this tent. Nothing opened up. I mean, we I met with government officials. I sat in offices of of important people, people that were in in politics, some were in in, in finance and business and different things. People with connections. And, and looked at, at many, many places. Sometimes the door would, would uh, appear like it was going to open, and then it would, and it would seem like it would shut, and, and finally the door would close. One day we decided we're not going to wait any longer. We can't, we can't spend time looking for a place for this tent. We've, jo- we've got to just have church. We just have to set something up. And so we decided we're going to uh, load up our Land Cruiser, put as many chairs as we can fit up on top, Put the the projector, uh, the video projector. We had a screen that you could make and and some sound equipment. And we took some brothers, people that we had seen saved in that period of time, and we said we're going to go out to this field called Telcom Field. Some of you might be familiar with it at, at near the showgrounds on Gong Road, and we we put that projector up and we be, and we showed a movie, and we immediately drew the attention of the. Of people around there because that land you don't you don't just set up there and and start a church. They said you can't meet here. We plan to meet there the next day. That was on a Saturday. We're going to meet on Sunday, and so we decided we're going to go. Uh, okay, we we saw some people saved, and we decided to go to a place called Key West. It's not like Key West, Florida. It's it was in the slums. And that day we put up two little easy up tents because we still don't have room for the big tent. And we put up these two little easy-up tents. We began to play the piano in the slums. People, we set up some chairs there. 
Uh, we realize, I don't want to gross anybody out, but some of you have heard this before, but uh, we, we realized that field was where people were using the toilet. There were no public facilities for people. People were using the toilet in that field. We happened to set up our tent in this poo-poo field where, where we started having church. And you know, on that day, of all the people that came, I don't know how many we had exactly, maybe, I don't know, uh, we maybe had about 30 or so, but we had 16 people give their lives to the Lord that day. 16 people. That's where we started the church. And of those 16 people, some of those are still in the church to this day. You know, from when we fast forward from there to the a, a piece of land we, we, we had where we put up a, a smaller tent and then later on we found an, a very a very nice piece where we could put the big tent up and it was beautiful I don't know do we we have a picture there the third picture from the right you can see the the big white tent there and that's where we that's where we set the tent I'm telling you we packed that place out and then this just this last year with the help of this congregation all of our fellowship churches we were able to purchase a piece of land that was ridiculous in price. Uh, it, it hurts my heart just to say how much it is, but but the the cost of that land two hundred fifty thousand for a half an acre, for a half an acre of land. You know, here in Texas, you can get a half an acre of land somewhere in Texas for five thousand dollars. I don't even maybe less. I don't know how much, but we bought that piece of property. They they put the tent up they put their they put up some structures and you know none of those things would have happened if God hadn't moved in our in our favor and given us a breakthrough along the way sometimes it's incremental breakthroughs for us it was huge this building is a huge opportunity what God wants to do there is a huge opportunity God is he he's closing the door on this chapter of the church because he's opening a new chapter he wants to do a new thing. I'm telling you this morning that God wants to do a new thing in our lives, but we have to be able to see God in the midst of that situation. We need to be able to recognize him. So I want to look at Matthew chapter 14, and this is the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes and Jesus feeding how many? How many did he feed? How many think it was more than 5,000? You know, it says in here, 5,000 plus women and children. That's a lot of people. It could have been, it could have been more than that, and it, and it was, it, I believe, more than that. But let's look at it in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 14. Out of the NIV, this is what it says. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples. 
and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So if, if you had uh, 5,000 men and everybody brought his wife, that would be 10,000 if they were all married. We don't know if they were all married, but if they had any children, they probably had more than one, you know. And so they had, it could have been 15,000 people there. But, but nevertheless, Jesus looked at these people and he had compassion on them. Why do we go into all the world and obey that commission? It's because we've been, we've been commanded and it, he's put it in our hearts to have compassion on people. There are no perfect people in this place. We put on our, our Sunday best or we, we try and, you know, you know, create an appearance that everything is all right. But every single one of us has something that is heavy on our hearts, regardless of, of any economics, any, any job, whatever it is we do for a living. Every person that walks in this place has, a, has a, something that they're carrying in their hearts. Whether it's a, fa- it could be a family member, it could be a financial thing, it could be a marriage uh, that you're that you're uh, working through some things in your marriage. But but here Jesus looks at these people and he's got he has compassion on them. By this time it's already evening. You know they could have the disciples are probably thinking to themselves, why couldn't he have thought of this earlier on in the day? Why didn't we think about getting some food for these people? You know, we don't have any place to go. We, there's not a Costco next door. We can't go and buy everything in bulk. And even if, they, even if they could, you know, they're looking at their finances and thinking, we don't have money for this. Even if they wanted to, sometimes we want to. There are things that we want to do, but we realize we don't have the ability to do those things. We don't even have the capacity to do those things. Even if we wanted to, how could we? It's beyond us. We don't understand those things. And they knew they had a challenge here because by now people are hungry. And when people are hungry, they start to they 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 get up to leave, don't they? When they when they don't have anything to eat, they start to think about where we're going to get something to eat. Over in Kenya, I remember when we had our anniversary service one year. Of course, with our anniversary services in Kenya, we always kill a goat. Not one, but two. And we, we buy them cheap. We buy them when they're, when they're small. We give them to some, some Maasai in the church. They take them. They raise them with their own. Then when they're grown, they've, they've, they've gotten a little bit healthy. We bring them to the church. We let them eat the church grass to mow it, you know, for about a week. They cut the church grass for about a week. And then on Saturday, that's it. I told the, I told the kids, if you want, you can name them. It's okay. I don't mind. But on Saturday, we're going to eat, we're going we're gonna to kill these goats. With those two goats, we can feed 500 people, 500 people with ugali and sukumawiki and some, some collard greens, if you want to, however you want to put it. And I remember on, on one service, one particular anniversary Sunday, somebody said, we're going to buy a cake for the church. And I thought to myself, they're going to need a lot of cake if they're going to feed 600, 700 people. How are we going to feed all of these people with one cake? You know, they brought one sheet cake. I don't know how big that cake was. Was it maybe like this? Did you know we fed every single person got a piece of cake out of that cake? 
I am not joking you. We had a line all the way around the church, and they cut that cake into little small pieces. Small pieces because everybody wanted to have a piece of the anniversary cake. You know, this is not what, that's not what happened in this story. Because the Bible says that they took those five loaves and those two fish, and they multiplied it, and Jesus is giving us an example of, of his sovereignty and his ability to work beyond human capacity, beyond human understanding, beyond anything that you in, our, in your natural mind can understand. And, you know, we think sometimes, well, these are, these are kids' stories. These are Bible stories for, for kids. These are practical illustrations for you and I so that we can see the goodness of God. The possibilities of God. We need to be challenged in some things. And so the disciples, you know, they got together. They're, they're thinking to themselves, uh, you know, uh, why did we take so long? Why did Jesus preach so long? Why is he so long-winded? You know, we could have just dismissed these people. I'm just paraphrasing here. But I, wanna, I believe that God wants to give us a breakthrough in our lives. There are certain things that, that keep us from having the, the kinds of of breakthroughs that God wants to bring in our lives. One of those is found in Psalm 78. If you ever, if you get a chance to read Psalm 78, you can read about the children of Israel and how it says they limited God. They limited God. How many know God can do anything? He can do everything. There is nothing that can stop him. He's able to, he, all he has to do is speak the word. And a person is healed. If he can create a coin in a fish's mouth, as it's found in one part in one, in one of the Gospels, if he can create a, a coin in a fish's mouth, why can't he create resources for you and I? He's able to do all things. But it says in Psalm 78 that they limited God. How did they limit him? They limited him with their unbelief. They limited him with their own thinking. They began to question God. They began to say, well, uh, you know, we know that he can, but, but will he do those things? They saw the miracles. They saw how the waters were parted, and they walked across on dry land when Moses led them out of Israel, out of Egypt, rather. They saw those miracles. And we can hear testimony after testimony this room here is full of people that have had a miracle in some way. How many have ever seen a miracle in your life? God's done something miraculous for you. Look at this. Look at all these miracles. My life too. But there comes a place in our lives where we begin to doubt that God, he can do it for somebody else, but can he do it for me? This is what he's saying in Psalm 78 in verse 41. Yes, again and again they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. What does that mean? How many have ever heard of a governor on a vehicle? You, you know what a governor is? Certain vehicles have a, a limiter that keeps them from, even though the capacity and the capability of that vehicle might be 100 miles an hour for that truck, it could get up to a certain amount, but they've put a, a governor or a limiter on that vehicle, and it will only go as far as that limiter allows. We hold God sometimes at arm's length in our lives. 
It's not that God is unwilling or that God is incapable of doing something, but in our own unbelief, in our own natural thinking, we think like the disciples and we think, well, why don't we just get rid of these people? Why don't we send them away? We don't have, we don't have a, an answer in the supernatural or a, a, a miraculous answer. Let's just get rid of the problem. Let's do everything we can to get rid of the problem. And so this is completely different from how Jesus looks at people because it says he had compassion on them. He, see, he has compassion on you. He has compassion on me. He's looking at our situation saying, I don't want to forget about them. I don't want to ignore them. I don't want to overlook them and dismiss their situation. But I'm going to do something supernatural in their life. And he looks at these people with compassion for them. He was moved for them. You know, when the heart of God is towards his people uh, to heal a marriage or to bring finances, when his heart is, is towards us and he wants to do these kinds of things, the devil will do everything he can to keep us from getting that miracle. He will talk us out of having and getting a miracle. I don't want to go into, uh, this is a, another sermon altogether, but for your own reading, go and look at how Naaman was instructed and was challenged to go and get a miracle, and Elijah did not, or Elisha rather, didn't even come down to pray for him, and he began to think and, and think his way out of a miracle. You can go and, and read that on your own about Elisha, but the devil will sometimes talk us out of a miracle. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not called to do anything for God. Maybe you were always meant to be like this. Maybe this was always going to be your, your circumstance. This is just the way life is. It's going to be like this for you, and, and it's never going to change. That's not, that's not the will of God. God is, the will of God is not for us to struggle. The will of God is never for us to be sick in our bodies and to live with that sickness. Sickness doesn't come from God. It comes from the devil. All sickness is of the devil. And so sometimes we begin to talk ourselves out of a miracle or what God wants to do, and, and, and we start thinking, you know, it's not, it's not really for us. And, you know, some, and the strange thing is is sometimes instead of taking sides with God, we take sides with the devil. We, agree, we would rather agree with the things that we're thinking and the things that, that are in our, in our own natural mind than agree with the, with the things of God and really take a step of faith. Because it don't, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to obey God. God will ask you to do some things that are that are might be a little bit outside of your comfort zone. When He asked Peter to come, and Jesus immediately after this story, He sends them across the sea, and Jesus comes walking on the water, and He and He speaks to Peter, and He says, "Peter, come." And Peter steps out of a boat. That doesn't make any kind of sense at all. That defies all of our understanding. Many times the Lord will ask us to do something that we just simply don't understand. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. you. We know this scripture, probably many of us by heart. I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. 
Those, those are the plans of God to give you a future and a hope. The breakthrough that you and I need comes when we partner ourselves, our hearts, and our minds. We partner with God. That's where the breakthrough comes. On their own, the disciples, they had no, just, they, they had no ability. That was their answer, just send the people away. But when they partnered with Jesus, when we partner with God, even in our marriages, I've seen some amazing miracles or some redeemed homes, the marriages that you, you might have thought that they would never be recovered. They could never, they could never find peace in that home. But, but the answer comes when we partner with God. Financial breakthrough and prosperity is a partnership with God. That's where it comes from. Poverty, struggle, divorce, the, the, the oppression in our minds, the things that we deal with and struggle with, and though, that is a partnership with the devil. All of those things, the, the, the works of the, of the enemy are to destroy homes, to, to destroy finances, to, to inflict pain. I don't want to have any kind of a partnership with the devil. I want God to be at work in my situation and, and, and have, to have peace, to have joy in the home. And if there's a breakthrough verse in the Bible, that's the verse right there, Jeremiah 29, 11. That's the verse that, brings, that, that, that def defines breakthrough for us because God's for you. God's for your marriage. God's for your situation. When God says he's going he's gonna to give us a future and a hope, let me tell you, the future and the hope that he has, the destiny that, that he has for us is woven together in the, in the midst of the local assembly, the local church. He doesn't set us apart and say, say you know, just, just plant us somewhere isolated all by ourselves. He, he puts our lives, he, he weaves our lives together. Look at us, we're from all different backgrounds. Different countries, different parts of the country, different, different uh, jobs, different financial situations. And God weaves our hearts together because he's got a plan and a purpose for us. What does that purpose involve? It, it involves reaching Denton, Texas and reaching beyond Denton to, to the farthest parts of the world. We get to participate in that. Here we come from, from different places, and he puts us together for a common purpose, and, and, and we begin to build our lives together. And some will, be, some will go out, some will stay here, and, but, but regardless, we, we, we partner together for the things of the gospel. You know, we have a church over in, in Ireland in a place called Longford, Ireland. It's in Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. You know, there's two different ones. Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom. Republic of Ireland is its own country. Don and Loretta Portnova originally went to pastor a church there in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, started a church in Belfast, Northern Ireland, came back to the United States, but that dream and that desire, that burden was still in their hearts for many, many years. There were a couple of people that continued to, to reach back to the Portnovas just to communicate. They're serving the Lord. They're, they're still making it for the Lord, but... Uh, after some time, Donna Loretta Portnova decided, you know, we, we would like to go back to Belfast. They went to Belfast. They, they uh, gathered their resources and along with the, the, this fellowship of churches. We were able to help them get over there. Things just weren't working out in Belfast. 
But a door opened up in a place called Longford. Longford is about three hours' drive south from Belfast, about an hour from Dublin, hour and a half. And they found this, they got to this church. There was a small group of people that were already meeting. They had a building, and they needed a, they needed a pastor. And so uh, the door opened there. A man by the name of David Moses, had worked, we were working together with him, and he was... Uh, moving over to London, and so by just through the course of things, the Portnovas were able to go into that building and, and pick up where, they, where he had left off, and had about 20 people, I think. They were people that loved the Lord, some of them from Nigeria, others from uh, Congo, uh, a few, just a few Irish, but most of them were from other parts of the world. And you know, last, this morning, I got a text from, from Don Portnova, they had six new visitors. Now they're up to about, I think, 60 people, something like that, 65 people. This morning, they had, I believe it was six new visitors, five of them Filipinos, five of them from the Philippines, and, and one Irish, oh, six saved today for the first time, five Filipinos and one Irish. You know, that's, that's something that, that God does. Only God can do those kinds of things. That's a supernatural work. That's a breakthrough in that church. God bringing us together, God bringing them together for the sake of his cause and his purposes for our lives. So, you know, don't, I don't want you to come in and think that, you know, I'm just here to experience God's purpose for my life. God's purpose for your life involves the purpose, his purposes in somebody else's life. At the end of our obedience, Pastor Jones has said this a number of times, at the end of our, our obedience is somebody else's salvation. What are we doing for God? What are we doing for the kingdom of God? So this story shows us how Jesus broke through those barriers. I want to just look at two things, and then we'll, I want to pick up on the, on the rest of this tonight because uh, I want to give you several things, but, uh, but two of them specifically. The very first thing is that we have to first recognize the presence of God in our lives. We need to recognize it. Sometimes we, he's right there and we don't see him. Sometimes he's knocking and we don't hear him. He's calling us. And, and, and for uh, so many people, he's been working and trying to draw people to a place of repentance and decision for, for a very long time. He uses different people's prayers. He uses uh, uh, many different things, but we have to recognize the presence of God. As the evening approached, in verse 15, it says, in Matthew 14 and verse 15, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. You know, sometimes we'll find ourselves in a desolate place. A dry place. No marriage, let me tell you, no marriage lives every single day on the mountaintops. Nobody, nobody lives with, you know, in the honeymoon stage for 50 years. Somewhere there's a, there's a valley. All right? We learn to work together. We learn to, to complement each other and help each other. But marriages do go through dry places at times. People go through times of struggle, and it's, a, it's like, like he's saying right here, it, it's a remote place. It's a dry place. It could be in your finances. You know, it would be nice if we just, I, I used to tell Pastor Safari, our pastor over in Nairobi, 
He would he would say, Pastor, we need money to fix the speakers. Pastor, we need this for the church. We need to buy we need to buy Merrim. We need to buy this. And you know, we need we've got to get all of these different things. And I would say, Pastor Safari, let me go out to the backyard and just pick some money off of the tree. He thought, you know, this is this is the truth. Pastor Safari, among others in the church there, thought America is just littered. They, they, they just have twenty dollar bills all over the road. Some of them honestly thought that. You know, they see they see Hollywood, they see what's on television, everybody's driving Ferraris, you know. But that's not the case, is it? But a dry place. Here, Jesus, of all things, they have God in the flesh in this place. There's no Starbucks, they can't go get anything from Walmart. There's nothing, there's, no, there's nothing there that they can go and get. And sometimes when we look at our circumstances, it seems like it's hopeless. We just don't have the, we just don't have the answer. We just don't know what to do. It's like we, we, we've, we've tried everything. We've, we've, you know, in our limited thinking, we just don't have the answer. This is where they found themselves. And sometimes we think, well, if I feel like I'm here and, there's, and it's remote and it's dry and there's nothing happening, then God must not be here. God, God must be a long ways away. Maybe God is working with somebody else, but he's not working on my behalf. That is completely false that's a completely false assumption that that you know because we can't feel god or because we don't we don't see him in our situation that he's off somewhere else the problem is is that many times we have magnified our problems and god has been minimized in our lives our thinking he, we have minimized the the possibilities and we've magnified our problems Sometimes don't we look at our problems and think, man, this, these things are just too much. Man, man they are so big. We've got so many problems. This situation is too big for me. And we, we, we magnify our, our situation and we minimize God. When we're in reality, what we ought to do is put God in perspective in that situation. I mean, he's God. He's the creator of the universe. Nothing is beyond him. No problem is too big or too small. And if we magnify God and we see God as big as he is and we, then we put it in perspective, our problems seem so small. We have several people in our church that are in need of a kidney. And it's, they're on a list. Anybody know anybody that you, you, you have somebody that's on a list waiting for a, a an organ or something like that, it's, it's tough. And even if somebody it donates an organ, it just moves them up on the list. You know, you know how that works, right? And so to see these people and the situation that they're dealing with is sometimes very, very difficult. Several of them. And we're praying for them and we're believing God. But we fully understand God is able to do a supernatural miracle in their lives, in their situation. God is able. It might seem like an impossible situation, and to us it is. But to God, it is not an impossible situation. We have to recognize the presence of God. There were two disciples after Jesus rose from the dead. They were walking down the street one day, and the Bible says that they were talking to themselves, and they were, they were pretty discouraged. 
They were saying, oh, man, this is, this is terrible. Jesus was just crucified, and, and uh, you know, what are we going to do? We thought things were going to be different, and it wasn't supposed to work out like this. Why did it happen like this? And, and Jesus comes up walking next to them while they're walking. He begins to hear them talking about it, and he says, he says to them, they're, they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and he says to them, he says, what are you guys talking about? And I'm just paraphrasing for you. And they're, they're saying, oh, haven't you heard? Where have you been, man? We, what, don't you know what's been going on? All, we've, all of these things that have happened. And then it says that their eyes were opened. And they saw Jesus for who he was. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? I mean, why didn't we see him for who he was? You know, in the midst of our situations and circumstances, the, God is there and he's working right there with us. And for us, and if we can recognize it, a miracle can happen. You know, God will never let you walk through a problem on your own. He won't let you do it. The second thing is that there's timing that's involved. We need to recognize his presence, but we also need to recognize his timing. I wish God would come early every time. Don't you? How many would just wish God would just come early all the time? That when the, you know, that, that when the bill, I, I, I told our church that when the, it would be nice if when the bill showed up in the mail, the check to pay for the bill showed up at the same time. We just open the one first, and then we just open the second one, and we pay it. That would be early, wouldn't it? Actually, early would have been, we just put, we say, where'd this money come from? Oh, hey, what's this? A bill. I pay it. That would be early. But the problem is it doesn't happen like that. We get the bill or we get the, the news from the doctor. Or we get the, the, whatever it is that we're dealing with, and, uh, and uh, we get the news that the sign has been torn down out front of the building. And then we're wondering, where is the miracle? And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that God is he's, he's never early and he's never late. He's always on time. He's always exactly on time. Nothing, if you're, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this down. Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing takes God by surprise. God doesn't look at that situation and say, oh, my goodness, where did that doctor's report come from? How are we going to pay this bill? Nothing takes God by surprise. He's always on time. And the reason he doesn't come early is because we would probably be like singing Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way. We'd be saying, oh, look what I did. We'd be telling everybody, look what I accomplished. Look what I was able to do. Who are we? We're just people. We don't, we, we don't have the capability to fix these things. And sometimes, I'm, I just say this because I, I've been there and I've, I've counseled and talked with many, many people. They've exhausted every avenue in their life. They've gone through their contacts. They've called all their friends. They've, they've, they've made every effort sometimes to, to fix a situation. But it never occurred to the disciples that maybe we could multiply this lunch. It never occurred to them that, they, that, that something supernatural could happen like that. When God does something, he wants to do it his way and not man's way. And he doesn't do, he doesn't do the same miracle the same way every time, does he? 
Sometimes we can look and say, oh, I want that miracle. I want their miracle. The way, that, the way their marriage was healed and the way their marriage was this or their, the way that happened in their body and their, and their finances or whatever, I want it done just like that. God never did it. He didn't do the same miracle twice. He didn't spit. He spit in one guy's, he spit in the mud and rubbed it on one guy's eye for healing. And then he would do it another way, a totally a different way. And sometimes we think that, it, you know, it's, everything happens the same way and, and, it, 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 and it gets done the same way. But God doesn't perform a miracle the way we think a miracle will be performed. He does it his way. And God doesn't share his glory, does he? He wants all of the glory. You know, some here, maybe you're, you're going through something and you're dealing with something. I want to encourage you, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't step out of God's plans and purposes for your life and turn your back on the, on the things of God because you think it's not happening fast enough. It's not happening the way I thought it was going to happen. It could be you're praying for a, a, a spouse. You want, you want to be married. You want, you want it to happen, and you wish it would happen sooner. Or you wish it would happen this way. Sometimes people have a way, we have a way of getting ahead of God and trying to do things the way we want things to happen. And we miss, we miss the right opportunity. It would be a mistake to just plow ahead in, in certain things and think, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make something happen and, and miss the plans of God. But we do need to recognize that in the midst of in the midst of whatever we're dealing with, God's at work in that situation. I challenged our church. I told our church about this this building. And I talked to him. I showed pictures last Sunday. I showed our church the pictures of the new building, and and but but even before that, I told him. I said, you know what? We're going to pray for the Denton Church. That sign was taken down. And and uh, it wasn't right. In our opinion, it wasn't right the way that it happened. Pastor Blake was upset. I was upset. I mean, we were we were getting mad. But I but we started to think, you know, maybe God's doing something here. Maybe God is is moving us out of this place. So why why didn't we see that building before timing? Sometimes it's just, it's just God's timing. God wants to show himself strong. He wants to show up in a situation and for us to recognize it's not us. It's not our, our clever thinking. It's not our ability to make something happen, but it was purely the grace of God inserting himself. You know, that's what a miracle is. A miracle is when God inserts himself into natural circumstances and does a supernatural work. See, he, he steps into a situation, an impossible case, and he inserts himself into that situation and completely upends the natural order of things to do a supernatural work. That's the God that we serve. And I'm telling you, for every single one of us, a year from now, we, we'll be having a different conversation. Of course, we'll be in a different building. But there will be something even greater. You'll see, you'll see God doing things in your marriage. You'll see God doing things in your finances. If you'll simply learn to trust and obey and recognize his presence in that situation and to know God is, God is never late. He's not early, but he's never late. He's always right on time. 
And he knows, the, he knows the time that he needs to work in our situations. Our job, just trust him. Our job, be where he needs us to be when we're supposed to be there. If we'll do that, we'll be woven together, we'll be working together, and we won't just see this city or this church changed, but we'll, see, we'll, be, we'll be making an impact in all different parts of the world, different parts of the country, different parts of the city. We'll be doing something great for God. Can you say amen? Let's just bow our heads. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads all over this place, please, in reverence to the Lord. Hallelujah. We're blessed this morning. We're really fortunate. We're able to worship the Lord together. I look around this place. I know there are a lot of, a lot of miracles. I know that there are many, many testimonies. You could stand up here and we could spend hours sharing of the goodness of God. Many here, you have a testimony of what I've, exactly what I preached. An impossible situation. God showed up and turned that thing around and began to do a miracle. This morning, while our heads are bowed, I want to believe God and pray for those that are in this place. Maybe you, you don't know the Lord Jesus. This is our number one objective, is to see people know Jesus and make heaven their home. To know Him. To know His love for your life, for you individually, in spite of everybody else, of all the, the billions of people on this planet, that He knows you by name. He knows your cares. He knows the condition of our hearts. He knows the, the aches. He knows the tears that are cried in secret. He knows the rejection that we've had to face and we've had to deal with. And Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came and gave His life on a cross, on a bloody cross. And the miracle is that you and I don't have to live on this earth separated from God and pay the price for our own sins but we can accept Jesus and ask for forgiveness and repent and Jesus began to do a miracle he, in a moment's time put our feet on solid ground while our heads are bowed all across this place Nobody's looking around for just a moment, please. How many in, in this place, you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm not right with God. I don't know if I'm ready to stand before God. I'm not, ready, I'm not sure of my salvation, but today I want to be sure. I want to know that I know that I know that my life is right with God. How many across this place would just lift up your hands? You say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you, sir. Yes. How many others? How many others? You raise it up and put it back down. You say, that's me. 
How many more? Maybe you're, you were once walking with the Lord and you were in love with Him. You had that fellowship, that relationship, but you lost your way. And you say, you know, Pastor, today I'm coming back to Jesus. Today I'm going to give my life back to Him. I'm coming home. How many across this place? That's you. Would you lift up your hand and let us pray for you this morning? How many? Quickly raise it up and put it back down all over this place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together if we could. I'm going to ask, can I pray for you, brother? Can I pray for you? Come on up here. Come here, let me just pray for you. God. We're going to open up these altars. Just stay right here. Just stay right here. We're going to open up these altars. We're going to pray. We're just going to take some time. You know, I want to encourage you. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, God's speaking to you, and maybe there's something that is a, 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 an impossible situation that you're dealing with, in a moment we're going to pray together. I want to pray for marriages this morning. I really feel that the Lord would, is speaking to marriages and to families this morning. We're going to agree together. We're going to pray believe God, but we're going to open up these altars and take some time to pray before we do anything else, before we pray for any other needs. These altars are open. I encourage you, why don't we find a place to pray and just begin to talk to the Lord. Can we do that? Amen.
some here I want to speak before we pray for homes and marriages there's some here your faith has been shaken you've you've and I'm just just being honest I feel like there's some here your faith has wavered you know God is able but is not is he able to do it for me is he going to work for me and your faith has been shaken the devil's lied to you he's 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 used arguments and he's to the point was almost he's almost talked you out of the things that God wants to do in your life I want to encourage you I want to encourage you do not grow weary in well-doing the word of God is powerful he gives us these things because he knows that we're all going to face these moments of uncertainty and in a, in a dry place and in a remote place that's where the devil comes in and he begins to put these little words in drops these little things in and says God's, God's not for you God doesn't care about where where you're at you're not important and all of those things that's all a lie from the pit of hell. That spirit, let me tell you, that spirit of suicide, there's some here you've thought, you've, 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 been, you've dealt with that. It's a weak spirit. It's a weak spirit. And it's rooted in this, what I'm talking about right here. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God's forgotten about you. You're not important. All of those things, that's a lie. I'm telling you, you're valuable in the eyes of the Lord. That marriage is precious in His eyes. The thing that you're facing and the thing that you're dealing with is, is, is important in the eyes of the Lord. So much so that, that he, he points to a number of different things in the Word of God where He specifically narrows down to one single person. He looks at that one person. Is he concerned with the masses? Yes. But he took a little boy and his lunch. He says, I'm going to use that person. I'm going to use their life. I'm going to use what they have. And I'm going to I'm going to do something greater than they could have ever imagined. He never realized that little boy that brought his lunch never realized that he was going to be a part of something far bigger than himself. Who am I? I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm important in the eyes of the Lord. That's what we ought to think. That's the way we ought to look at things. So maybe your faith has been shaken. Maybe you've just been, you've been, you've just been battling some things in your mind, and, and you've, you've been wavering. Tonight, we need to, or this morning rather, we need to settle it in our hearts. We need to settle our commitment and our decisions. You know what? I'm, this is where I am. This is where I'm planting myself. This is where I'm going to make my stand against the devil. I'm not, I'm not giving up any more ground. No, I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to push the devil back in my life. 
I'm not going to accept mediocrity. I'm pushing the devil back. I want to pray this morning for marriages. I want to believe God with you. Husbands, you should stand next to your wives if you're able to. If you can, if she's not in the nursery or working with the kids or up on the platform. Do we have any married girls? No, I'm not. We got one married man. But get next to your spouse. I told all the husbands and wives in Kenya, I shared this probably, I don't know if I shared it here, but I said, I want all the husbands to sit next to your wives. In our church in Nairobi, the, you never knew which man belonged to which woman. Because the wife would sit here and the man would sit there, a husband would sit there. And I could never, I could never see who belonged to who. I said, I want everybody to get up and go sit next to your husband. And we have one Maasai. And his wife came and sat about right here in the middle. But his other wife wasn't going to be shown up. And so she came and she sat on the other side of him. So he had two wives there. It happened just that one service. Usually he had one for the country and one for the city. So I called back to, to my to Pastor Jones, and I said, hey, what do I do about this? I've got a Maasai. He has, you know, a city wife and a country wife. How do I handle this? I happened to get my mom on the phone. I said, what do you think I should do? She says, oh, Paul, let him keep her. <laughs> I'll tell you how we handled that one later if you want to come and talk to me. Let me tell you something. What... What God has joined together, you remember that? What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. When God brings a couple together and he, and he joins them together, they become a mighty weapon in the hands of the Lord and a great testimony. And I tell you, God has great plans for our, for our couples. We need strong marriages. We need strong families. We need, we need committed examples. Maybe you're living together and you've been thinking about, about getting married. I want to encourage you. Make a commitment. Say, you know what? We're just going gonna to get this right and we're going to make it right. And we're going we're gonna to be used by God. And talk to your pastor. Say, we want to get married. Put us on the schedule. We want to be the first ones in the new building to get married. All right? I don't know who's married, who's not, but I'm assuming that we have a lot of married couples here. We're going to agree together in prayer. The devil would love nothing more than to bring division in that home and to, to use your marriage as his own testimony. You know, God has plans and the devil has plans too. If God has some good plans, the devil's got some, he's got some evil plans. But we're not going to let the devil have his way. We're going to stand against the devil. And you need a breakthrough. Listen, recognize the presence of the Lord in that home. Make a place for God. God's not your spare tire where you just bring him out whenever there's a crisis. You need him, you need him daily. And then the second thing is understand God has good timing. You, 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 you fight through things, but you fight through them together. She is not your enemy. He is not your enemy. Amen. Let's agree together right now. We're going to pray. Just join hands together, husbands and wives. Church, would you help us to just pray together right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, 
Lord, I lift up these marriages. I lift up these families. Lord, the destinies that you have here, Lord, in this church, these homes, these, these couples, Lord, that, God, you are going to use them as a mighty instrument of revival for your kingdom. Lord, help us to shake the gates of hell. Lord, by standing firm, by being a living example, Lord, by, by working together instead of against each other. Lord, I pray that you would touch these couples, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those that are unsaved, unsaved husbands or unsaved wives, that, God, you would help us to see the urgency of the hour, that, Lord, you have great plans and purposes for us. Father, I thank you for your destiny that is upon this church, your destiny that is upon every couple here. Lord, I thank you for blessing them so that they can be a blessing. Bless their children, Lord. I pray, Father, for their vehicles, that, God, you would meet every need. There be no lack, no end of supply in their homes. God, I pray that you would cause them and help them to love each other. God, give them the kind of love that they need, Lord, to, to make it in this life, to strengthen each other, to watch over each other, care for each other, to build each other up. Devil, get your hands off of these families. Take your hands off of these marriages. I bind every work of division. I bind every spirit of strife. We come against the spirit of divorce. We break those things. We break those bondages. Devil, you cannot have the families and the homes of this assembly, this church, in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off of these lives. We thank you, Father God, for your glory. We thank you, Father God, for breakthrough, for kingdom breakthrough for our lives. And we give you the glory. We give you all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Let's just seal it with a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe God's going to do I believe God's going to do great things. God's going to do excellent things in our families. You know, I I thank God in our church we've got we've got a lot of a lot of families. Some of them they've they've been to hell and back. I know their history. I know the kinds of things that they've, they've, they've had to work through. And they've come out, and, and you, would look, you look at them and you say, how is it that they've got all these things in order? It was simply that they trusted God. They did not allow the devil to, to get a foot in. If, if the devil gets just a foot in, you're in trouble. It's dangerous, isn't it? In Kenya, Pastor Safari, I know I talk a lot about Kenya, but we have a love for Kenya. In Kenya, Pastor Safari would tell me, Pastor, if the dog gets his head in, the body will follow. Isn't that the truth? If the devil gets his head in, the body will follow. We just have to keep the devil's head out. Make our stand and let God do something with us. Amen. I want to encourage you. Tonight, we're going to have church at 6 o'clock. I hope I'm not overstepping Pastor Blake. Um about talking about tonight. Tonight we've got church at 6 o'clock. And I want to challenge you. Tonight we're going to pray for the sick. We're going to believe God for miracles. We're going to believe God. 
uh, tomorrow night I'm gonna I'm gonna preach on supernatural finances. If you need a miracle in your finances, you don't want to miss it. I believe God's gonna help us, and I want to encourage you. If you can bring your bills, we're gonna lay hands and and believe God for people's finances. I wish I could say I'm gonna give I'm gonna pay all your bills, but I don't have that kind of money. I wish I could. I'd love to just say, you know what? Hey, it's it's cleared. You can go home in peace. But you know what? God's got more money. He's got all the money in the world. He's got all the resources. So we're going to believe God for finances for sure tomorrow night. But tonight we're going to pray for the sick. And so I want to encourage you, be back tonight. If you had other other things going, you it's to, it's to our advantage, all of us, to be here and be able to hear what God wants to do in this revival. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Pastor Blake. Would you just go back to your seats for just a minute, sit down. We're going to be dismissed in just a moment. I want to do something this morning that's on my heart. I really believe God's already doing something even before tomorrow night. You know, when you talk about finances, everybody has an attitude about finances. How many know that? Everybody has a thought when you mention money, you mention finances. And, and we know today... In the church world, there's a lot of abuse. And some of you have never been in church, so you don't know that. There's a lot of abuse and there's a lot of bad thinking about money when it comes to churches because of the way things are handled. But we understand today the principle of be givers. And, and God is a God. Pastor Jones always says God's not trying to get our money. He's trying to get money to us. And I believe that principle. And... I believe with all my heart as I have been an evangelist and I've been a pastor for all these years how important it is to bless and honor with our finances the, the man of God that comes in to preach to us. So I want to ask the ushers to come forward. I want to take up a love offering this morning for Pastor Paul and Emily. If you don't have anything, that don't worry. You have four more days to bring something. If you don't, don't, don't have any plans to give anything, I believe that God will change your heart on that. If you think, like, I don't have anything to give, I believe God will put something in your hand. There's something about making a decision and saying, I'm going to be faithful. And so this is not, hey, let's pay, let's pay for the preaching. Let's, hey, let's, you know, let's make an exchange. That's not what it's about. Our church has been trained for the last nine years to be a giving church. So when we do a revival, anybody that's been with us knows we're going to take up a love offering. We don't have to tell you that. So obviously if you forgot this morning or whatever, you know what that happens, you can come back tonight or anytime time and just put it on the envelope and say, Pastor Paul, he will get every dime and we will give some on top of that. We want to bless Pastor Paul and Emily. They've, they've driven here in a rented car. They're staying in a hotel. They've got expenses and we want to make sure that, that they're not coming and being burdened, but they're coming and being blessed. And how many know a lot times a little is a lot? It adds up. But I want to challenge you and encourage you, and I hope I'm not overstepping Pastor Paul by saying what I'm going to say, that I, I really believe something amazing is going to happen tomorrow night in that message about money. Because the kingdom of God has to have money. And, and the kingdom of God does not have money if the kingdom of God's people don't have money. It doesn't, it doesn't drop out of, the, out of the sky or come off of a tree. So we have to say, Lord... If I need a breakthrough in my finances, then I've got to do something 
to cause the breakthrough. We don't just sit there and say, come on, Lord, let it come. But you need to make a step of faith. Remember when I mentioned how I went out and sat my tool bag in the new building? That's a step of faith. Now, that didn't cost me anything. But the example is you do something by faith that God is going to see your faith and he's going to move. And so you do the same thing in finances. And I want to raise your faith real quick. And again, if you don't have it this morning, the blessing is you've got all, all week to give and pray about it. Say, Lord, what can I, what can I give to this revival to, to, to sow a seed? Amen. And that, 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 that some Holy Spirit rain, that the rain will come down and, and water it. I want to give a quick, quick testimony of how God's word comes to life in our lives. And, and as Pastor mentioned this morning, you know, we hear that story about the loaves and the fishes. And how many honestly will say sometimes, man, in my carnal mind, those, those Bible stories just sound a little bit wild sometimes. They just seem a little bit kind of, you know, really, Jonah was swallowed by a fish? Really? In our carnal minds, we think that. But, but one of the problems we have is, first is doubt, obviously. But another problem is, is that the words used in the Bible are different. If we'd have heard that the Lord served Golden Corral or served Domino's Pizza or served street tacos at that dinner, it all of a sudden would have made more sense. But loaves and fishes, just it's not our lingo. So if you remember last week, I talked at night about Elijah and the, and the raven, how he was fed by the raven. Remember that? And remember how I joked about that today for us, that raven would bring us street tacos? How many remember that? Everybody was, was here Sunday night. Well, I mentioned the guy from the RV place out at the new building that I had met him, if you remember that. And so on Monday or Tuesday, I don't remember which day it was, we were in there, and there was several of us working there. And so this guy, Harold, comes into the church, to the, to the new building, and walks in the front door, walks up to me, pulls out his wallet, gives me a $100 bill, and says, buy food for everybody, and walks out the back door. So the raven came into the church and fed us. And you think, so, well, come on, that was a guy and it was $100. But see, we don't, we don't relate that if I, what if I, what if I had told that story to Elijah? I mean, it's, well, raven dropping food, dropping meat to Elijah, come on, that don't, how's that? Well, what if I told Elijah that a man from an RV place came in and gave me a $100 bill to buy tacos? Would that make any sense to Elijah? Doesn't know what tacos are. Doesn't know what a $100 bill is. Doesn't know what RVs are. How many are with me? So we literally the next day saw God feed us from a raven who walked in and dropped money to bless us. And I went and bought street tacos. And we all ate street tacos that night and gave God the glory. How many know I'm telling the truth? Amen. We ate it and ate street tacos. Amen. Down the street. How many are following what I'm saying? We, we've got to get out of the mindset of this is some kind of Bible story. It's just the words, the way it's presented. And God's got a lot of ravens. God's got a lot of money. And he, does, he wants to get money to us. If you have, if you have a car breakdown, if you have uh, bills you can't pay, those, those, are, those are just circumstances to God. They're nothing. We need to start speaking to those and saying, God, I'm not worried about that. Because you've got a, another blessing behind this. As he just said today, what happened to us was a blow, 
But look what God did after that blow. Look what God brought in from, from after that. So I want to pray for this this morning. I want us to be generous. Amen. And I, and I want you to pray or, or during this revival what you can give for this revival and for Pastor Paul so that we can continue to stay up ahead. And I just believe with all my heart that supernatural finances are on the way. And I believe that he, what he's going to preach tomorrow night and what he's going to pray is just going to open something up. Not one person in here is going to say, no, I don't need breakthrough in my finances. And if you do, we need to talk. If you don't need breakthrough in your finances, amen, we've, we've, got, we've got some places you can give some money, amen. We've got lots of needs. Everybody needs a breakthrough. And we're going to have that happen. But this is a seed. So let's, let's give this this morning and let's pray that God would multiply it and sow into their lives for everything they've done for us. Because you know what? What, what, a, what a great heart to be all the way over there in Colorado Springs and take the time in their service to pray for our church, to show those pictures. And how many are seeing the partnership that we have? Such an awesome opportunity. How many know working together is so much better than working by yourself? Isn't it a blessing to have somebody to work with? You know, we help them get the land in Kenya. They're praying for our building over here. We're working back and forth as a team. It's an awesome partnership to work together because when we're lacking, they can help us. And when they're lacking, we can help them. And when you have somebody else around, say, hey, I need something and you need something. And I'll get, I got excess in this. I'll let you have this and you have something that I need. And we switch and we trade and we work together. And, and as, we, as Pastor Jones says, we can do more together than we can do by ourselves. Amen. Father, we pray for this offering as we're dismissed this morning. Let us give out of joy. Let us sow seed this morning. Let us believe that you're the God of miracles. You're the God of supernatural. You're the God that feeds the, the that feeds us with ravens, Father. Lord, I pray that more stories of this raven dropping money would, would happen in our lives, not just in our church, but in our personal lives, so that we can be givers. Some of us need seed this morning. Some of us don't have to give, or some of us need to give sacrificially by faith to sow a seed that will open a door for something else. Speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I'm listening to your, to your voice. I want to hear your voice, and I want to do what you tell me to do, and I want to obey, as the Word said this morning, because that obedience does something. Lord, bless Pastor Paul and Emily. Bless their trip here. Let them be refreshed. Let them be encouraged. Let them be uh, uplifted as they're here, as they feed us spiritually and as they pour into us. Give it back to them a hundredfold, Father. Lord, we just loose the blessings of God in this place. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. As you, after you give, you're welcome to be dismissed, amen. We'll see you tonight at 530 in the prayer room, amen. God bless you this morning.
Yes, it pays just to pray, standing in your rays. Sunshine and reminding me that your rose, reminding me that I'm yours and wrapped in righteousness robes. I closer that I get to you, the higher that I feel. It's like my spirit's been lifted outside the stratosphere. Where death is powerless and pain will never lay a claim. And all the world will proclaim your name forever reigns. Put desire inside of the fire in my bones. Earth groans to see you return and take us home. So long for so long, I'm so on. You on the throne, my life no longer my own. Leave me high.
too early, I'm up too high. The sky below me, like I'm sitting in a plane, feeling strange. Can't explain how I get to experience these things. Been to plenty cities, spent pretty pennies and ate plenty. Folk, do a show, I come home and feel empty. No, it's never me. I'm glad to say, I've been changed like presidential campaigns. Used to wake up in the morning pursuing the wrong things. Now I wake up in the morning pursuing the Lord's name. Take me higher than the highest. Show my hope and my desire. Lifting me up high despite it. This gravity lead me higher. in the city might be more than pretty pretty that freaky shine might be more than me see anytime you see the sparkle in the dark you might look deeper deeper it might be more than simply theater yo that smile might be joy that's connected to the spirit the spirit might be contagious if you dare you dare come near it i remember can't forget he said you can't second guess sparkle as the light reflects we write and pay it forward checks light shine bright everywhere we go music for the people to illuminate the show
Just won't let